Amen. Once again, we're in our study, World Religions, Cults, and the Uncle. Mary, I'm not even looking at you. What is it? Number 13. Choose uh, Reddit, chaos. Give it for Mary. She's got it all there. That's right. Charismatic chaos. Part two, we're in that second part, the untold history of the charismatic movement. And what we're basically doing is on this section, we already dealt with the first section, the first 20, uh, the false teachings, the aberrant behaviors, and, and all that kind of stuff. But we're dealing with the, the, the premise that they say, no, the reason why this stuff's so weird and you don't understand it, and maybe you don't like it, but it's the last day's outpouring of God's Spirit. Really? Don't think so. We've been taking our history tour, tour after the death of the last apostles in the apostolic age. That's why it's called that. Uh, we saw it was going on in Montanism. It carried through the Dark Ages through Catholicism. Then it hopped over from Europe to the United States with the Shakers and the Urbanites. Uh, Mormonism started because of charismatic beliefs. Believe We went through that. The holiness movement, which had nothing to do with holiness. Okay, It's just a code word. Christianese around this supposed idea that we can be perfect. And if we get a second dose of the Holy Spirit, Spirit, uh, which is not true. It's not biblical. And you're not going to be perfect. Again, how many guys are married? And just even today, you found out you're not perfect. <laughs> and neither is your spouse. It works that way. It's verified every day. But that false teaching started with Wesley. We saw they carried it on. And of course, the evidence that you got this supposed second dose of the Spirit is you speak in gibberish. I'm not saying tongues because it's not even the biblical gift as well. Then we saw it continued on with the revival, a second great awakening, Charles Finney. Then it broke out into conferences and began to spread across America. We saw the birth of the Church of God. And Lord willing, we're going to get into the birth of uh, Assemblies of God. Believe it or not, we're actually going to get into the workbook. Praise God. That's right, Pastor Tom. Praise God. It's still there. Uh, and that's when we're going to deal with oneness Pentecostalism, another sect of that. But they begin to branch out, four square and all that. We'll get into that. But then we saw last time, if you hear Salvation Army, how many guys went around all of Las Vegas and you got your money back from those kettles? <laughs> we should if we could uh, because we saw that's not even the gospel they're sharing it's a works base that's unfortunate then one of their big giant pillars a guy named Smith Wigglesworth and what we learned with this uh, kicking behavior and the handkerchiefs and all that stuff hey man nothing new under the sun once again it's just rehash repackaged Wigglesworth was doing that all along so now we're going to continue oh by the way again notice this is again how many, how many years of history how many centuries have we gone through and yet we're being told this started in 1906 at the Azusa Street Revival. I don't think so. But speaking of the last days, because that's what they say. Remember, the reason why it's so weird, it's the last days, right? It's outpouring of God's spirit. That's why, really? Well, let's take a look at what God warned about what happened in the last days and see if uh, it's something we need to pay attention to dealing with these people's behavior, okay? So open your Bibles to 2 Peter 2. 2 Peter 2, that's our opening text. And uh, verse 1 through 3, let's take a look there. False teachers and their destruction. Okay, you don't want to be in their camp. Second Peter chapter 2, if you find Third Peter, what do you do? Get a new Bible, that's right. Second uh, Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. What's going to happen? Again, we're, the context is the church. This is going to happen in the church in the last days, in the future, right? But here's what Peter warns about. When you get there, say move. Moo, that's a good consensus. Let's move on. But there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be what? False teachers among you. Who's you? Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. He says, now here's what these guys are going to do. They're going to secretly, uh-oh, so deceptively, secretly, behind the scenes, little by little, little here and there, they're going to introduce what? destructive heresies in fact even denying the sovereign lord who uh, bought them bringing swift destruction on themselves nobody will follow the shameful ways because in the last days everybody's going to be hungry for the word of god in the church 
Oh, no, 2 Timothy 4 says, Paul warned also in the church, remember, we saw that, that uh, people are going to turn away from the truth. They don't want to hear sound doctrine anymore. And so, unfortunately, you put that together with this passage, and no wonder, many, because you don't know the Bible, what's going to happen? You're going to fall for these false teachers. They're going to seduce you right along. You're going to go along with it. Many will follow their shameful ways and will bring the way of truth into disrepute. In their what? What's the key word there? Greed. That's what it's all about. It's all about greed. It's about money. It's about them. It's about finances. It's about getting rich. About being famous. In their greed, these teachers will exploit you with what? With the truth of God's word. They're literally making this stuff up as they go. Right? And you're going to see, I was, you're going to see a video, I don't want to give away, one guy, uh, I was there, and I, all of a sudden I was praying, and all of a sudden, I was sucked up into heaven. You're, that, that's a story made up, that didn't happen, right? And that goes on and on in this community, and that's exactly what he warned about, the stories they made up. And he says, uh, their condemnation has long been hanging over them, and their destruction has not been sleeping. Now, who does that sound like? Just reading that warning from Peter. It sounds like the charismatic community, Okay. Are there really f uh, false teachers in the church today who are secretly introducing destructive heresies, even denying God and ripping people off of their greed? <laughs> what does that sound like? So here's, in my notes, this is the irony. They say that they are a special movement of God's spirit in the last days, and yet God himself warned them of their behavior in the last days. Anybody see the biblical irony there? Okay, so let's continue and prove that once again, this is nothing new under the sun. It's not some latest outbreak of the Spirit of God as we continue through our journey of the untold history. Now, we're going to move on now uh, to this guy, and his name is Phineas Quimby. Okay, Phineas Quimby. Uh, for those of you who got all my sermons memorized, which would be none, okay, but uh, if you were out there, you would realize that we talked about Phineas Hemby, uh, Phineas Hemby, or Quimby, his brother Hemby, apparently, uh, in... <laughs> We talked about him in Christian science, and we also talked about him, I believe, in our New Age study because that's exactly what he was promoting, right? But Phineas Quimby, okay? You can see an exciting photo here. He had it, he had it moving on with this cool-looking beard thing going on. And uh, this is, uh, he died in the late 1800s. Again, we're still dealing that time frame. He was an American mentalist, also known as this word, a mesmerist. Remember we talked about mesmerism? Okay, we'll get into a little bit of that again uh, tonight. Uh, and he was widely recognized as the foundation of what was called the New Thought Movement, right? He was influenced by a guy named Swedenborg. And basically what it was, New Thought, today we would call New Age, okay? And he got that from the Swedenborg guy, and that's where we had our New Age study. But that's what this guy is. Now, this guy is clearly connected into the charismatic movement. And so this is where, from this guy, is where you're going to start to see new age teachings now coming into, and occult teachings coming into the charismatic movement. They've already got it wrong with Wesley's false teaching with the uh, perfectionism. They've already got it wrong saying that you can get a second dose of the Holy Spirit from twisting the scripture, okay? And now they're going to start getting new agey. This is where the positive confession comes in. Creative visualization. That's your little gods. That you get, that's all new age. Well, this is where it's starting to come in through the charismatic movement back in the late teen, uh, eight, uh, uh, 1800s, late 1800s. Quimby, uh, his background... He, you're going to see a, a common thread. Basically, these guys in the charismatic movement, the bulk of them, basically have little to no education. Now, does that mean you've got to have a degree in order for people? No, no, I'm not saying that, right? 
And there's some people that probably don't have much of a degree, but man, they know their Bible and spiritually. So I'm not against that. But what you're going to see is basically these guys not only have not much of an education, uh, but what they get educated in is not from the Bible. Okay, that, that's more my bigger point there. Uh, but he became interested in the mind's ability to affect the body, right? Because uh, he had some health issues, tuberculosis, right? So that was the latest thing that was going on. And this guy named Charles Poyen, he was a French mesmerist. He came to Maine, which is where uh, this guy, uh, Phineas Quimby, that area he lived in. So he literally left this guy. He left his job. He goes and follows this French mesmerist for about two years until he became proficient in applying, quote, mesmerism. Now, let's refresh ourselves. What is mesmerism? Mesmerism was the name given by a German doctor, Franz Mesmer, hence mesmerism, in the 18th century. And listen, he believed that there was this invisible natural force that possessed all living and anim uh, animate beings, humans, animals, vegetables, and Ruth even act apparently. Uh, he believed that the force could have physical effects, including healing. Now, what does that sound like? Not only sounds, of course, like New Age, but it sounds like in our Buddhism and Hinduism study, especially with Buddhism, with martial arts, the chi force, or it even sounds like Star Wars theology, if you want to call it that. Okay, the, right? but that's basically what it is. Uh, this guy uh, attracted numerous followers in Europe and the United States, and uh, his followers were either called magnetizers or mesmerists, okay? And, uh, but anyway, basically, that's what influenced this French guy who then comes over to Maine, who influences back to Mr. Quimby. Okay, do you get it? So Mr. Quimby got indoctrinated this idea that there's a force that permeates everything and that if you could tap into this force, it can do amazing things and give you power and bring healing. Get it? Okay, that's what Quimby is involved in. And I'm telling you, this went right straight into the charismatic movement. I'll trace the trail in a second. Now, supposedly when you're being mesmerized with this force that supposedly is behind everything that you could tap into, right, for power, thanks, you know, a Jedi, if you will, uh, you experience, quote, reported effects included various feelings like intense heat, trembling, trances, and seizures. Does that sound familiar with the community that we're talking about? Yeah, it does, I've said it before, it doesn't mean it's the Spirit of God, right? And it could be just some of this stuff that you're tapping into, occult New Age practices, okay? Uh, this whole thing was uh, uh, pitched as something that could provide for people as spiritual healing, right? And again, remember his background, he had tuberculosis. He thought the mind could do this. I just got to figure out how to tap into this thing, and then I can provide healing, okay? And then that's how it went into the charismatic movement, because what was one of their big things? with perfect healing, perfect health, perfect wealth, and things of that nature and, and all that stuff. Now, this also uh, uh, guy, he had several uh, students, okay, and believe it or not, one of the students of Quimby was this lady, Mary Baker Eddy. Now, Mary Baker Eddy, as we saw, we had a whole study on Christian science, and uh, that's where she believed in this animal magnetism, mesmerism, right? And that uh, in order to heal your disease, what do you got to do? It's not real. It's an illusion. You just got to use your mind, right? And tap into this force and you can heal yourself, okay? Uh, then why were you ill all the time and needed doctor's help? And why did you wear glasses? And we already dealt with that for many weeks in that study. But she went on with it and she started and founded uh, Christian Science. 
Now, he also had a couple other students, and this is where it went down the charismatic route. So Quimby influenced her, who started uh, Christian science with this New Age mesmerism stuff. Okay, he also influenced another guy, this guy, and this is your charismatic root. This is a guy named John Alexander Dowie, okay? And he is accredited as, quote, revolutionizing Christian, quote, faith healing in the late 1800s. But guess whose techniques he used? Mr. Quimby, back to the New Age stuff and things of that nature. He also had another student, Quimby, okay, uh, not only uh, Mary Baker Eddy uh, with uh, Christian Science and John Alexander Dowie, uh, who influenced the charismatic community. Uh, it's also this guy, Warren Felt Evans, okay, got his teachings. And you're going to see that uh, Warren Felt Evans also influenced the charismatic community as well. Okay, but again, let me give you some uh, teachings of this mesmerism and see if it doesn't sound familiar today. Uh, again, mesmerists believe that when you speak, out, what you speak, because remember, it's, uh, it's in your mind. You just got you to you tap into this force and you can provide these amazing things, including healing. But quote, what you speak out of your mouth, you create. This is coming from Quimby, from New Age. Okay. And that's the idea of the perfect health, perfect wealth. You can just create it. You got to speak it into existence. Now, my background uh, being saved from New Age, not to mention other occult things, uh, that's called creative visualization. That you can create and visual, visualize and create with speaking into existence. That's New Age, flat out New Age. Well, that's a big underpinning of the charismatic movement in what was called, we saw before, the word faith movement section of the charismatic community. And that you speak the word in faith and you get to create your reality. Perfect health, perfect wealth. Folks, that's new age. But this is where it's coming from, that Quimby, okay? Uh, and uh, you can do that with your mesmerizing powers. Uh, again, it's a, a blend of uh, just uh, this mesmerism. It's a blend of Hinduism, new age. Again, new thought movement. Now, let me give you another thing that uh, he also taught. He taught that the God was really called the kind of impersonal. Uh, the infinite intelligence, okay? And he's everywhere. The uh, spirit is the totality of, of real things. And listen, true human's uh, uh, selfhood is divine. That basically we're what? This is from Quimby. We're God. Now, what is a big, major, unfortunate, false teaching in the charismatic community? That we are all little gods, okay? Where did this come from? It came from this guy from New Age, Okay, this is going into the charismatic community. And again, sickness originates in the mind. And again, Mary Baker Eddy ran with that and started Christian science. And uh, right thinking can produce a healing effect. And it's new age. And that's why you hear the phrases in the charismatic community. They'll say stuff like, well, hey, hey don't, don't say you're sick. Don't say you're sick because it's going to happen. You got to speak positively that just I'm, I'm, I'm healed. I'm healed. And you got to keep it. That's new age, folks. And this is where it comes from, okay? Quimby also developed a belief system, which, again, illness was just part of the mind, and it's just erroneous belief. You're just thinking wrong, right? You just got to believe it's going to happen, okay? Now, again, Quimby, here's what's ironic. Quimby would never claim to be a Christian teacher. I mean, at least he admitted he wasn't a Christian. But his teachings, his New Age teachings, are at the core of the word faith movement. 
in the charismatic community, okay? Again, it's a philosophy where our existence is self-realized. It, we are little gods. We create our own existence by the power, by what we imagine. If you imagine success, you draw success to yourself. If you imagine defeat or lack of success, you attract that to yourself. Their basic teachings, a new age, uh, Quimby, right thinking can bring healing, all diseases of mental origin, and again, true human self is divine. Folks, this is new age through and through, and I'll show you again how it crept into the charismatic community, but you look at the charismatic community today, and they're teaching flat out new age today. It's all over TV, if you're looking at it. Let me give you some samples of that. <laughs> Where Dr. Rodney Howard Brown says the Holy Spirit is making folks out. That as these programs are airing, I am speaking something into existence. If that sounds eerily like God's act of creation in Genesis 1 and 2, that's because it is. Dear friends, only God can speak things into existence. Jesus got up and he simply spoke to the storm. He said, peace be still. And all of a sudden there was a great calm. And the reason Jesus was able to bring peace to that situation was because he had peace on the inside. Might it have had anything to do with the fact that Oh, I don't know, that, that he was God. But if the Godhead gets together and say, let us. How can we say that again? Because now, they don't get it. I now come into a priestly anointing. Jesus is not the only begotten on. son of God. He is not. Dear friends, when it comes to matters of theology, when it comes to matters of doctrine, we absolutely are to judge on these things safely within biblical parameters. You know, you're the, you're supposed to control the weather. From the hand of Pastor Benny Hinn, and believers are overcome by the presence of the Lord. Friends, I've been to the Benny Hinn Crusades. I've been to eight of them. And I've seen what the television cameras won't show you, that on the floor in the back are dozens and dozens and dozens of sick people. It looks like it's silver and gold mixed tonight. And I was sucked out of my room. I heard this, and I went, I just, and you talk to that thing, and you tell it you're not coming here, I command you to dissipate, and you get back up there in Jesus' name. They demote God to make him look more human than what he is, and then they deify man to make us look a lot more like God than what we really are. But I'm going to say to you right now, you are gods, little g. You are gods because you came from God and you are gods. You're not just human. The only human part about you is this physical body that you live in. The real me is just like God. And if God is in a body, that means he cannot be everywhere at the same time, which means he's not omnipresent and that's not the God of the Bible. If they preach a different God, they preach a different gospel. I need money. Then start creating it. Start speaking about it. Start speaking it into being. Speak to your billfolds. Say, you big, thick billfolds full of money. God is God. He doesn't have to have faith. He doesn't exercise faith. He doesn't use faith. He's God. He's the object of faith. Oh, wait a minute. What does that mean? Object? I don't know what that means. I don't either. But he's about to do it again. Now hear this. I'm prophesying this. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is about to appear physically in some churches and some meetings and to many of his people for one reason, to tell you he's about to show up. 
all I could think about is what a powerful testimony that would be. If all of a sudden I were to show up walking, you know, there is no cure for cerebral palsy. Once you've got it, you've got it, unless God does something. So we see right there that God wants us to be healthy. Can everybody say, God wants me to be healthy? What I do is try to just teach practical principles. I may not bring the scripture into the end of my sermon, and, and I don't feel bad about that. The faith preachers take the word of God, and instead of it serving as a source of strength and encouragement to the afflicted believer, they take God's word, they wrench it out of its context, turn it on its head so now it stands in judgment over them. And I cannot imagine a more self-serving perversion of God's word than what the faith preachers do with it. And to top it all off, they take their money. God could do nothing on earth, nothing has God ever done on earth without a human giving him access. Repent the thing before me and I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I won't even let him know you did it. If Jesus is keeping secrets from the Father, then that means there are things that the Father does not know, which means he is not omniscient and that's not the God of the Bible. And any Jesus who's keeping secrets from the Father is not the Jesus of the Bible. If they preach a different Jesus, they preach a different gospel. And a different gospel does not save. Wow, it's almost like God warned us about what we're seeing on TV in this community 2,000 years ago. We're seeing it in our lifetime, tit for tat. Uh, the one about Bill, Benny Hinn, of course, uh, what did he say? He, quote, prophesied. First of all, you're not a prophet. But he prophesied, right, that Jesus was going to show up physically. Physically, right? First of all, remember what Deuteronomy said, that if somebody prophesied something in the name of the Lord, okay, and they got it wrong, what are you supposed to do? Kill them. You better be thankful that we're not under the Old Testament law, right? Number one, because you made God out to be a liar, right? Let alone deceive people. But that one is so unbiblical, it's not even funny. Because when's the next time Jesus is coming back physically to planet Earth? Not the rapture, because we meet in, him in the clouds, right? Okay, the second coming, that doesn't happen until then, uh, whatever. But then the whole premise, did you hear what he said? I'm here to tell you that Jesus is going to show up to tell you he's about to show up. That's what he was saying. It's like, it doesn't even make sense. Whatever. But anyway, back to this. You can see, folks, this is, to me, Second Peter 2. This is, we're living it. And again, God warned this would happen in the last days, and yet this same community says, no, the reason why it's so weird to you is because it's a new movement of God in the last days. No, God warned us about you in the last days. Right? And that's why we're doing our study. Quimby, back to Quimby. Again, this is their, you attract what you think because, as you see, they're still teaching it today. It's all new age. We're little gods. And we can control the weather. We, can get, we don't have to be sick. We can, we can speak to that billfold, right? That's flat out new age, let alone obviously false teaching. But apparently it didn't work for Quimby. Shocker. Who said that? Yeah, shocker. It doesn't work for those guys either, okay? Except for getting rich because they get, rip people off, right? But their health's going, have you noticed they're getting older? Getting gray hair, wrinkles galore. What's the matter? Are your faith going down? Right? But Quimby, uh, he, he even had the uh, audacity to say, and this is kind of like Christian science, sickness and death were illusions, but it didn't work for him because he took ill in 1866 and allegedly died from overwork. Okay. What would he, had a faith crisis? He didn't have enough faith? What happened? Okay. But anyway, so uh, Quimby, again, he uh, uh, influenced 
John Alexander Dowie, okay, and the Evans guy, which we're going to get into another. But I want to get another guy, as you're going to see, uh, influences the charismatic community, and that's this guy. Now, this guy is a guy named Frank Sanford, okay, Frank Sanford, uh, not to be confused with the guy that had the junkyard and with Lamont. That was a different Sanford for three of you who used to watch that show. Uh, Frank Sanford, uh, he was a former baseball player in its really early stages, okay, just for kicks, a school teacher. He never completed uh, the first year of seminary, okay, but uh, again, you're seeing, again, little to no education from these guys. They're supposed to be pillars of the charismatic community. He would get hired by churches, okay, be there for a little while, become dissatisfied, and leave, okay, he uh, gained notoriety in the, the beginning of the Pentecostal era that they call it. He founded something. He was the leader of the kingdom. And that sounds majestic, doesn't it? Right? But that's what he started. So basically, no training. This guy goes out, and he's, he's doing his own thing. He, too, came out of Maine, kind of that same area that we, we've already dealt with. Uh, and he also got exposed to another charismatic element called the higher life movement. And again, he believed in the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, but again, this whole divine healing thing that you can have guaranteed healing, right? In August 1891, after what was supposed to be a successful exorcism, uh, he, quote, heard the voice of God in a forest warn him of Armageddon. Now, again, here you go. The story's made up, right? Whatever. Or if he did hear a voice, that ain't the voice of God. I'll tell you that right now, right? You want to hear what God says? What do you turn to? Right here. This is word and you stick to it, right? I don't care what somebody says, right? Uh, and so he's supposedly warned by this voice of Armageddon. So what does he do? That's right. We know I got to have the kingdom. We need a safe place to hide. So he created this place called Shiloh, okay? Shiloh, okay, sounds biblical. <laughs> yes, Shiloh, right? And it may, and basically it's a commune. A charismatic, early form of charismatic commune is really what it was. People there, they were, quote, forced to pray hours on end, fast, and obey his orders absolutely. So this is a guy that basically had no training, right? He would go into churches. He would get very dissatisfied and always keep quitting, and then he decides to go on his own. Ah, that's not a good scenario to be a leader. Sorry. Okay. But anyway, so he starts this basically charismatic commune, Shiloh. He declared himself the earthly incarnation of the prophets Elijah and King David. I mean, after all, it's called the kingdom, right? So now he also, listen to this, he regularly starved his followers, causing deadly outbreaks. This is at Shiloh, this commune. Deadly outbreaks of smallpox, diphtheria, and other infectious diseases. Uh, there was a death of a 14-year-old that led to a conviction of manslaughter, okay, and cruelty to children. In 1910, this is starting to sound like Jim Jones. Oh, that's right. Jim Jones was coming out of what movement? Charismatic. Sorry, just dealing with the facts, folks. Okay. So he decides, uh, he's starting to get in trouble now. So he goes to Africa, this guy, this uh, Frank Sanford. Okay, he goes to Africa with more than 70 men and women and children. So they, their ship went aground and was destroyed. And so they said, all right, uh, let's go to Greenland. <laughs> I'm not making it up, right? Uh, to create a supposed mission state, a station. Well, knowingly, he sailed without sufficient food or supplies. Six crew members contracted scurvy and died. So more people are dying. But don't question this guy. He's heard a voice from God, right? He was detained by authorities. They finally made it back to America. 
and they put him in the penitentiary, okay, for uh, seven years. Then he gets out, and he's released, and guess where he goes back? Well, let's go back to headquarters, back to Shiloh. I kid you not. He goes back to the Shiloh. And then in 1948, he died. Now, listen to this. It, uh, which prompted his body to be secretly buried by followers and all his belongings burned in various house fires. Now, why do you think they would do something like that? Because you're supposed to have perfect health and dying messes that thought up. Right? Kind of ruins your whole teaching. Right? So, number one. Number two, who did he say he was? He's incarnate, right? The earthly incarnate of, of Elijah and King David. He can't die. He's the leader of the movement. You can't question him. So let's get rid of the evidence, Bob. Not you, Bob. That's a different Bob. Okay. I'm sure you weren't there. But anyway, uh, so that's what they did. And just, just for kicks, believe it or not, this guy's movement still continues on today. It's called Kingdom Christian Ministries crazy right now but here's my point let's go back to shiloh the whole premise of these people is a christian or not even christian i said charismatic commune right divine healing all this stuff and this guy's supposed to be elijah he's also uh, i don't know maybe on, he switches it on tuesdays and thursdays he's elijah on wednesdays and friday uh he is uh king david i don't know maybe he's himself on the weekends i don't know but whatever but also the whole premise of being in this they were there 600 residents he had in shiloh this is back in that day that's a lot of people at that time. And because they attempted to, quote, live in the supernatural, awaiting for God to do amazing miracles and things of that nature. You know, the whole premise of the charismatic movement, right? To live in Shiloh meant, quote, to be in a constant state of readiness for the Holy Spirit's latest movement, okay? Now, this movement was also involved in, quote, celebrating Jewish feasts and keeping the Sabbath day on Saturday. Now, what is another unfortunate spinoff and also is weaving itself into the charismatic movement well there's seventh-day adventists but also what you're going to see is they're getting into what's called the hebrew roots movement paul had a term for these folks they were called judaizers and what they would say is that uh yeah you're a christian and jesus is you know uh, the messiah but you still need to do the old testament stuff all right no that's called legalism and read the book of Galatians. Paul says, you foolish Galatians, you started out by means of the Spirit, and you're going to go back to the law? And he says, who, he be, who bewitched you? Who came in here and seduced you? Folks, that's going on today. You know, like, well, it's more spiritual when you pray with this Jewish you know, dress on and this Jewish prayer saw. And if you want to wear that, that's fine. But you can't say that you're more spiritual just because of the, some outward coding. That's what the Pharisees did. And we don't keep the line. If you want to learn about the feast and say, you know, some biblical things about the feast, uh, feast uh, I'm more power to you. But you can't say you got to keep it or you can't say that, you know, it's got to worship on Saturday. Well, that's what these guys were doing. And again, unfortunately, that's also in the charismatic movement, okay, uh, as well. They also, he taught that the 10 lost tribes were actually England and America, Okay, which is another issue, unfortunately. And again, he was a big proponent of divine healing, right? You just, you got to get this guaranteed healing, whatever. Now, he, uh, Sanford inspired uh, a guy, and that's this guy here, John Alexander Dowie. So Dowie's getting it from two ends. We saw that he's getting it from Quimby, the New Ager, with his mesmerism, and little gods, and you can just, you know, whatever, and wait to hear what this guy did, okay? But he's also getting this from the Sanford guy who's just on his own, and he's Elijah too, and King David, what, what have you, right? Okay, and uh, again, this guy was not trained for seminary biblical background. So he was a Scottish evangelist, 
uh, a, quote, faith healer. He ministered in Australia and the United States. And listen, he founded the city of Zion, Illinois. Okay, why? We'll get to that. I'm, I'm going I'm to drop that bomb on you here in a second. But you need to talk about this guy first and then see what came out of this guy. Right, right. Zion, Illinois. He also started what was called the Christian Catholic Apostolic Church. Right, but basically, he originally came from Scotland. His dad actually was a, a, a tailor and a preacher, uh, but his family moved to Australia. So that's the Australian connection that he got involved in later. Okay, he became an independent evangelist. Just went on his own. Just I get you know what have you. Uh, he held his meetings in theaters and claimed powers as a faith healer. And again, who influenced him? Quimby with the New Age, with the mesmerism, right? The little gods, and you just need to visualize this, you know, whatever. And this Sanford guy, right? All right. Now, he was also for a time involved with, guess who? Salvation Army. It's all kind of blending together, right? Uh, there's a tie. He attracted many followers. Uh, he was invited to a particular church, and, quote, it led to a, quote, split in the church. And I'm telling you, I've told you this before, and I've got stories I've told you before, but unfortunately, when this kind of stuff comes into a church, oftentimes what happens? Splits it right down the middle, man. Been going on for a long time, right? All right. Now, after an arson scandal in which the church facility that he had at the time burnt down in suspicious circumstances uh, because they said uh, that was fishy, it, quote, enabled him to pay off large debts. How'd that fire start? Right? That was in Australia. So now he moves back to the U.S. This is in 1888. He first settled in San Francisco. He builds up another following there of his supposed faith healing powers, right, across the state. He, uh, his ministry he called the International Divine Healing Association. And it was a commercial enterprise. So a lot of these hucksters today, like Benny Hinn and Kenneth Copeland, you got, this guy, man, he had it going. You, you thought Smith Wigglesworth had some, this guy, this guy turned it into an enterprise. We'll get to that in a second, right? All members were expected to tithe, and listen, if they did, that made them, quote, eligible to request Dowie's aid in healing their ills. So what did he start? You need to pay me in order to get this healing, Right? And it was that, that, that's what made you eligible. Now, they don't say that word today. You know what, what, the, what the code word is, if you will, that in the charismatic community? You need to sow a seed into my ministry, and the more you sow, the more of a blessing or healing you're supposed to get. Uh, can I tell you, folks, that's exactly what this guy did. You're paying these guys for a supposed blessing. And what does Second Peter warn us about? In their what? Greed. They will exploit you with stories they made up. We were warned about these guys 2,000 years ago, all right? Now, Dowie would then pray, after you, of course, gave him money, in response to requests by paid-up members, because you don't get behind, right? And this guy got rich, man. He had a lavish lifestyle. I'll get to that in a second. But he also bought up securities of bankrupt companies and sold them off to his constituents. Guy was a con artist, Right? But he got rich off this, this lie that if you send me money, I'll pray for you and you'll get your healing. It's exactly what's going on today. So he takes that money, he invests it and rips them off. He was actually sued, okay, from two ladies because he defrauded them. They actually won the case. And so in his defeat, then he goes from San Francisco to Chicago, right? So now we're in this 
Illinois connection. Right, that's how he ends up from there. Remember Scotland, he goes to Australia, he comes to the United States, San Francisco, then he, he loses the court case, he's ripping people off, he gets caught with that, so now he goes to the Chicago area in Illinois. Right? Now, then uh, they had the World's Fair in 1893, and he staged elaborate, quote, divine healings in front of large audiences. Right? Quote, many of these healings were staged using audience plants and other dubious methods. Uh, at other times, carefully screened individuals were brought on stage that he supposedly healed. Now, what does that sound like? That sounds like Mr. Popoff we saw last time. They got caught. This guy was doing the whole thing. But again, he turned all this false teaching into a commercial enterprise, becoming, you know, like these guys do today, millionaires. This guy was doing it, okay? Now, he launches all kinds of these quasi-businesses that just rake in the dough, Right? Let me demonstrate that. And of course, if you're going to do this, you, you can't just say uh, our group is the group. It's the kingdom. We're going to start a, a false teaching commune. No, it's not that. It's called Shiloh. And so this guy, of course, what's he going to do? He's going to start these businesses. But everyone, you know it's got to be from God because it's called Zion. And everything's Zion. He started Zion Publishing, Zion Headquarters, Zion Homes, New Zion Tabernacle, Zion Junior School, Zion College, Zion Printing, Zion Hall of Seventy, Zion Home of Hope, and more Zion Tabernacles and Zion Healing Homes, etc., etc. But somehow that makes it Christian. Now, believe it or not, he had, at this point, he had approximately about 6,000 people following this guy. And this is back in this day, man. That's, that's quite, the, quite the group. And again, remember you got to send him money to get your healing, right? So he's doing this at that time, <clears throat> and he's up there. So now he buys some property up in Chicago, okay? And that's when he founded the city of Zion, uh, 40 miles from Chicago, and he owned the property personally. And then he started a, uh, established a, quote, theocratic political and e economic structure. He prohibited smoking, drinking, eating pork, and using any form of medicine, because again, if you pay him money, you're going to get your healing. So why do you, false teaching. And then of course, man, you're getting so much cash. What do you think he probably should do? You need to start not just a bank. What do you think he called the bank? That's right. It's Zion Bank. <laughs> Anybody starting to see a pattern here? Zion Bank. Okay, as we can see there. He uh, then sold worthless stock to array of Zion businesses. And uh, uh, he was continually in debt, and then he, uh, it eventually all crashed towards the end there as he, quote, went increasingly senile. Now, listen to what a journalist said of him during that time frame, right? He said, quote, the one, and this is of uh, this guy, John Alexander Daly. He tells him, the journalist says, the one incomprehensible element in this guy's gigantic, quote, success is the, quote, personal luxury in which he lived, right? Listen to this. He said, quote, his horses are worth a fortune. His carriages are emblazoned with all kinds of luxuries. His wife is said to dress with the gorgeous extravagance of an empress. And when he travels, he's hemmed round with a little army of servants. The so-called prophet of humility and self-denial has a special train chartered. And whenever the spiritual burdens become apparently too taxing, there's a delightful country residence belonging to him in which to retreat from the clamor of the day. Now, what does that sound like? That sounds exactly what these guys are taking the same false teaching, new age teachings, 
new age occult practices, and they're doing exactly what John Alexander Dowie did. They're creating an enterprise out of it. They're becoming millionaires, and they're following his lead, and they're living some lavish lifestyles. Now, let me give you some current examples of this. They're living the good life. How good? Here's Lisa Guerrero and the I-Squad with a look at some who've been preaching prosperity who are living large. Fresh wind! Fresh! They are some of the most popular TV preachers in the country. We're family here! They urge the faithful followers to donate generously and in return, the Lord will bring them prosperity. I'm not going to be going to heaven and be broke when I get there. And there's no denying some people have prospered handsomely. Wow! The now pastors themselves. The they live like rock stars with huge mansions, private jets, and fancy cars. Their lifestyles are so lavish, six of them have been investigated by the U.S. Senate. Like Paula White, who lives in multi-million dollar homes in New York City and Tampa, Florida. And Creflo Dollar, he gets around in style, flying in private jets to preach around the country. He owns this mansion in an exclusive Atlanta suburb. Mr. Dollar, how do you Not one of them would agree to an interview about their opulent lifestyle. How do you justify your million dollar mansions in your jets to all of your donors, sir? Oh, yeah. But when it comes to opulence, few religious leaders compare to Kenneth Copeland. You and I are supposed to always have. To show you his house, we rented this helicopter so you could see his 18,000 square foot mansion valued at over $6 million. He lives in this home outside Fort Worth, Texas. It has beautiful water views and comes complete with a boathouse. But that's not all. Copeland is an avid pilot, and here's his pride and joy, a $20 million Cessna Citation jet. It's the fastest private jet money can buy. He said he needed it to better serve the Lord, and proudly did a flyby for his followers after the church bought it. Shout it! But it's not just one plane. We found a fleet of planes registered to the church. And you won't catch him waiting in line at the airport because he's got his own, the Kenneth Copeland Airport, located right next to his mansion. I think Copeland is unbelievably greedy. Oli Anthony heads the Trinity Foundation, a religious watchdog group that worked closely with the Senate committee investigating Copeland and other TV preachers. Televangelism alone is at least a two and a half to three billion dollar industry. She sent them a lot of money, a, a whole lot of money. When Christy Parker's mother died of cancer, she found diaries that showed her mother sent Copeland most of her life savings, hoping her faith and donations would cure her of her terminal disease. What do you think of Kenneth Copeland's lifestyle? TV doesn't do it justice. Their office furniture is probably worth more than most people's houses. It makes you sick. Oh my. Copeland refused our request for an interview, so we caught up with him at an event in North Carolina. Why you're living such a lifestyle of luxury off of church donations? Ma'am, I don't think we have time for this. Thank you. Thank you. Why won't you answer our questions? A hotel employee tried to prevent us from taping. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Come here. It's just a simple question, sir. Yes, and I'm going to give you a simple answer. Thank you. My lifestyle follows the scripture we give, we believe, we're open. You have a fleet of private jets. Why is that necessary? You're a minister. 
How many private jets do you have? Right after that, he walked away. I wonder why. It's a huckster. What were we warned about 2,000 years ago would come into the church in the last days? False teachers. And they would exploit you out of greed with stories they made up. Folks, we're living that passage, that warning from God, right? And yet this same community says you and I have no right to even question what they're doing. Excuse me, we have every right. Especially when God says, watch out for these guys in the last days. It's a sign you're in the last days. Uh, but again, this is nothing new. Dowie was doing this. He believed, Dowie, in times restoration of the spiritual gifts, the apostolic offices of the church, you know, the prophets and all that kind of stuff. He claimed to be, again, God's messenger. Uh-oh, he's going in competition with that Sanford guy. I'll get to that in a second. He claimed to be the spiritual return of the biblical prophet Elijah. Well, that's what the other guy did. And, and, and of course, if you call yourself the prophet Elijah, you got to dress like it. That's a photo of him, taking it to the extreme. Uh, he, he not only said he was the prophet Elijah, but he also said he's also Elijah the Restorer, the prophet Elijah, or the third Elijah. Take your pick, depending on what day of the week, I don't know. Right? But again, this guy was a big proponent of the charismatic uh, uh, divine healing, and he was considered, he is considered a forerunner of Pentecostalism, okay? And influenced a whole bunch of people, as you can see, right on up to today. All these things that these guys living in luxury and creating a commercial enterprise, uh, these false teachings, nothing new, right? They got it from this Dowie guy, okay? And again, at one point, he even claimed to be the forerunner of Christ's second coming. Wow. Right? So now we got uh, 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 Dowie and uh, Sanford, uh, and, but they, they both uh, not only uh, said that they got this special power to, uh, to heal people with a word and claim to even raise the dead, but you got a conflict here. You both can't be Elijah at the same time. First of all, neither one of you are, but that creates a conflict. I kid you not. Uh, they, it actually ended up, uh, they worked together initially, so Frank Sanford, and now let's get that guy up here, John Alexander, just for the sake of our board, uh, Dowie, they actually, believe it or not, worked together initially, but they split over this who's Elijah issue. Now, believe it or not, they tried to work it out. Uh, the original plan was for Dowie to say, no, 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 uh, he's really Enoch, and here's how they were going to play it. Uh, they, uh, Sanford believed that the two witnesses mentioned in the book of Revelation were Enoch and Elijah. So that way, they could both be a special prophet. You just wouldn't have the conflict. But nope, I'm Elijah. No, I'm Elijah. I'm Elijah. No, I'm Elijah. I'm Elijah. You can play Enoch. I'm not playing Enoch. I'm Elijah. You could, yeah, well, okay. And they split, right? So initially, they worked together. Now, here's the point. Dowie created his own commune. Remember, Sanford had his with Shiloh, right? Dowie created his, he created his commune, was called Zion City. Remember, he's Zion Bank, Zion everything, right? So Zion City. So if Sanford had Shiloh, his commune, Alexander Dowie, after they split over the Elijah issue, he has Zion City. Now, Zion City, if you're paying attention, guess who came out of Zion City? The Assemblies of God. That's their founder guy. All that we just talked about, that's probably not a good route to come from. Interesting. Okay, now, let me give you one more and then we're gonna have to wrap it up tonight. We're almost uh, made it to there. Uh, next, we come to this guy. His name is E.W. Kenyon. 
Okay, E.W. Kenyon. Okay, it's the next one. We're getting closer to Azusa. All right, he went to a particular school called Emerson School of Oratory to become an actor, right? So apparently no Christian underpinnings there that he wanted to be, apparently. But he, he goes to this Emerson School. Now, uh, uh, he was a student. Guess who taught there? Warren Felt Evans, the other guy who was influenced by Quimby, the New Ager. So when E.W. Kenyon goes there, guess what he gets influenced into? Quimby's New Age teachings. So he goes there just to be an actor, but when he gets there, one of his teachers is the New Ager, okay, and so he gets indoctrinated in that. So all of a sudden, he decides he needs to hit the road, right? This is his only education, was going to this acting school influenced by a New Ager, okay? Now, Kenyon was ordained, again, where's your training? You went to an acting school that was a New Ager teacher, he was ordained and went on to pastor a church. They hired this guy. They hired a new ager. And you go like, how could that happen? Well, I shared this uh, a couple months ago. And it's funny when you hear it, but it's sad because it's funny because it's so true. How could a church hire a new ager? Are you serious? What kind of filter process you got going on here? But here's how it goes. It goes this. One day this young minister was interviewing for his very first pastorate. And the pulpit committee had invited him to come over to their church office for an interview. And so the committee chairman asked him, so son, do you, do you know the Bible pretty good? And the young minister said, oh yeah, absolutely, real good. So the chairman said, all right, which part do you know best? And the young minister said, oh, I know the New Testament the best. So the chairman responded, all right, well, which part of the New Testament do you know the best? And the young minister said, oh, oh, oh several parts. So the chairman said, okay, well, uh, uh, why don't you tell us the story of the prodigal son? And the young minister said, oh, oh sure, fine, no problem. So he started in. He said, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus who went down to Jericho by night and fell upon the stony ground and thorns choked him half to death. So the next morning, Solomon and his wife Gomorrah came by and carried him down <laughs> to the ark of Moses to take care of him. But as he was going through the eastern gate into the ark, he's, his, he caught his hair on a, a limb and he hung there for 40 days and 40 nights. And, and, and afterwards he did hunger. The, the ravens came and fed him, though. The next day, the three wise men came and carried him down to the boat dock, and he caught a ship to Nineveh. Uh, and when he got there, he found Delilah sitting on the wall. And he said, chuck her down, boys, chuck her down. And they said, well, how many times shall we chuck her down? Seven times seven? And he says, nay, but 70 times seven. And they chucked her down 490 times. And she burst asunder in their midst. And they picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. And in the resurrection, whose wife shall she be? <laughs> well, at this, the chairman jumps up. He interrupts the pastors and he looks over to the committee and says, guys, 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 guys. Hey, let's hire him. He may be young, but he sure knows his Bible. <laughs> That's funny because what? It is so stinking true. So you're going, like, how could they hire this E.W. Kenyon who's, who went to an acting school, got influenced in the New Age? You ordain him and he's your pastor. Wow. It happens, unfortunately. Right? He also became the founder and president of what's called Bethel Bible Institute. That's another charismatic. They love to use Bethel. Right? Bethel's, you know, Zion, Bethel, and all that stuff. Right? Uh, he was influenced by Methodism. Okay? Now, what did you probably get with Methodism? The false teaching, again, from Wesley about being perfect, and you got to get a second dose of the Spirit, so all that stuff. But he even says there, Kenyon, quote, had a, he supposedly got saved, and then he had a crisis of faith, and, quote, left the faith two and a half years, for two and a half years. Excuse me, what's the Bible say? 
If you leave the quote faith, 1 John 2.19 says what? The reason why they went out from us because they lost their salvation, which is a false teaching in the charismatic community, a lot of them. No, it says they went out from us because they didn't belong to us. If they had remained with us, they would have stayed with us, but they're going to show that none of them belong to us, right? So that's this guy. So he probably wasn't even saved. So again, he, he ends up going to this Emerson School of Oratory. That's where he got into New Age. Uh, he then got hooked up with free will Baptists. Now, one of the unfortunate things about free will Baptists, even on up to today, it says Baptists, well, that, that must be, no, because they believe you can lose your salvation. So he got hooked up not only with a new ager, a new age influence, the false teachings of Methodism, okay, from John Wesley, but now he gets hooked up with people who say you can lose your salvation. Again, this is the root of the charismatic movement. Uh, so anyway, he goes on to uh, open Bethel Bible Institute. It's known today, actually still in existence, as Gordon Conwell College, if you're familiar with that, but that came from this guy. Okay, now he's the guy who is accredited with this new age influence because he picked it up at this acting class from the new ager guy, okay, who was taught by Quimby, right, as what was called in the charismatic movement today, and you just saw it on the video with the one guy speaking it into existence, being, I'm speaking this to, right, the, the word that they use is positive confession, right, you just got to confess it, right, what you need to, to create, you know, that billfold, you just got to speak, right, that's new age, right, it came from this guy, you know, we would call it today, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, whatever, uh, that's new age through and through, is what it is, so this guy would do that, and, uh, and this is uh, huge in uh, uh, Pentecostalism today, and again, this guy uh, also um, led to this next guy, okay, uh, Charles Parham, now, we're not going to get to him because I do not want to rush through this. Okay, we'll get into him, Lord willing, next time if we're still alive and still here. But basically, let's trace the trail because we're leading up. Next time, we are going to get into, Lord willing, famous last words. We are going to get into the Azusa Street Revival, right? Because it, it goes from Parham, okay, uh, to a guy named Seymour who starts the Azusa Street mission that this supposed rival, uh, revival breaks out. Right? But let's trace the trail. So far we got Quimby, who was a new ager, who influences Evans, and then we got Sanford and Dowie, all influenced in these new age practices, and there's a common thread. They got basically little or no education. Okay. And Charles Parham, he studied from both Dowie. So Parham, we'll get into next time. Parham. He studies from Dowie, the Zion guy, who was Elijah, uh, and then S Sanford who also thought he was Elijah. So Kenyon or, or Parham got major stuff from them. But I like what this guy said. Uh, Parham was learning from men with little or no schooling, which would mean according to the laws of diminishing returns means he got even less. And boy, did he ever. Now, what we're going to get into, Lord willing, next time, because again, I don't want to blow through this uh, just to cram it in. But Charles Parham, right, he starts this uh, movement in Topeka, in Kansas, right? And supposedly, they say this is where the tongues begin to take place. Uh, no, it didn't. Have we seen throughout history? It's been there the whole time. So that's lie number one. But they say it take place, and they say it started with this lady, Agnes Osman, okay? Was supposedly his first student at this supposed Bible college thing, or institute in Topeka, and she began to speak in uh, what, by the way, they say was Chinese, now, by the way, that means a known language. Well, Acts chapter 2, it was known languages. 
Now we're going to see, I'll give you a little teaser in a second, it was not even Chinese. But isn't it interesting how today that they say, oh no, it's not a known language. The reason why it sounds like a bunch of gibberish is because it's a private prayer language. And all that we, no. So even their own founders said that when it started, it was supposed to be a known language. So it's exactly the opposite. They don't even know your own history. They're saying the opposite of what the whole thing started. But anyway, just to give you a demonstration, uh, I will share with you the transcript of what she supposedly uttered, and it was not Chinese, but to give you a little teaser, okay, uh, was actually, and we'll see this again in greater detail next week, uh, but she supposedly was able to write in tongues. Wow. Yeah, and again, it was supposed to be Chinese. Here it is, folks. Apparently, this is, again, this is the, supposed to be the birth of right after this is when you have Azusa and you have the charismatic movement going crazy across America, but here is apparently writing in Chinese oh. writing in tongues there it is folks clears the bell uh, actually I think my uh, dog Brewster uh, if I taped a pin to his right paw uh, and gave him a couple pieces of cheese he could probably do the same thing any Chinese give me a break right now basically what happened was it goes from here we're gonna get into this detail I'm just giving you a little teaser of where we're going next week it goes from here to this guy, William Seymour. William Seymour is the guy who starts Azusa Street Mission, which is supposed to be the Azusa Street Revival. Do you see the thread? And I don't want to give it away too much, but as you can see, he's an African-American guy. And the reason why he went on to found his own was because, as we'll see, Lord willing, next time, this guy was one of the biggest racists. I mean, you can't even believe what he taught about uh, black African uh, folks. And again, this guy is quoted tons of times in the charismatic community as a great guy who helped birth the tongues movement and early Pentecostalism. And you want to see how racist he was? Well, Lord willing, you have to wait till next time. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying, okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand, okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well... You guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something. 
right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's His standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. I, I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. And the Scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That, that's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. You, the, the word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against Him and disqualified us, that disqualified us for heaven, right? And we've actually seen this work in real life. Uh, for instance, uh, there's been people who have committed crimes, gone to court, the gavel's been passed, the judges said, hey, listen, we all know you're guilty, uh, you even admit you're guilty, and for your crimes, you're going to not just jail, you're going to await in jail to go to the death penalty. And did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row? It's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because of they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon and they can go free. And did you know it's actually on historical record that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty and they've refused to take it. And so even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, 
and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you could be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey, folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth He is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the grave, and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.